Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. What a great day. We've got thunderstorms coming across the country, and you know what that means. Don't keep your dogs outside because your dogs can develop thunderstorm phobia, and a lot of times that is very well deserved. Because what can happen is if you keep your dogs out when they are in the, uh, the outdoors for a long time, they're actually potentially not only going to get wet and be scared, but a lot of times they can get different little injuries and things. Remember, when it's nice out, especially in the summer, we get these sudden outbursts. Sometimes we get tornadoes, depending on where you are. But the key is making sure that your dog is always in a safe place, that he feels like he's provided for, he's protected, he's safe. He doesn't have to worry about the things that another dog might have to worry about. Your dog is special because he's your dog. doesn't matter what kind of dog it is, but if he's your dog, then you've got to be responsible for him. And especially in the weather like we're having now in the general Midwest and, uh, and the uh, Northeast, you know, we can get some pretty quick changes. So don't leave your dog outside. Please make sure you keep your dog inside and in a good, safe environment. If you are going to leave for the day, make sure if you do have a doggy door that you make sure that the doggy door is accessible for your dog. But it's really not a great idea ever to keep your dog outside for, like, a long time because, you know, you never know. I always say, like at United Canine Professionals, you don't know what you don't know. And you never know what's going to happen if we're going to have some severe weather, if something's going to happen that's going to uh, scare your dog or potentially even harm your dog. Why would we take a chance when there's no benefit? I learned at Columbia University, risk-reward, risk-benefit. If you have something and you're going to take a chance on something, and you're going to, whatever it is, whether you're taking a chance on gambling or you're taking a chance on a date or you're taking a chance on a new business, if the risk is not worth the reward, then don't do it. That's what risk-reward is. In other words, if you are going to have um, a dog who's going to potentially be outside and he might have a couple of extra hours of playtime, but the risk is that he could also get hurt, potentially, what is the reward? That he had a little extra playtime? So it's not always worth it. So don't take really stupid ch- chances and make sure you take good care of your pet. Remember, your pet only is counting on you. He doesn't have everybody else. If you don't come home for that night and he's locked outside and he can't get in, you know, he can not only, like I said, become fearful, he could potentially be harmed. So depending on what part of the country you live in and depending on who your neighbors are, I've even heard crazy stories about neighbors shooting the neighbor's dog because your dog gets out, nobody knows he's gone. Somebody either thinks it's another uh, wild animal, especially if you have a shepherd or something. You know, you never know if people are going to think it's a wolf. Or certainly if you have uh, a dog like a Shiba Inu that looks like a little fox, you might not want to leave him out unattended because, you know, you're liable to have a problem, and now the poor dog is going to, you know, potentially uh, get hurt. Also, uh, if you have a barn or if you're in a very rural area that there are farms and barns and all, a lot of places have um, a problem with rats and mice uh, getting into their feed. So they might put rat poison and they might put uh, something in the area. And if your dog comes in to an area, especially if it's going to be chasing animals, but if it's going to get into potentially rat poison, you might not even understand or know that, you know, you had this problem. And lo and behold, now you have an issue and, uh, you know, potentially your dog can have, um, you know, reaction or can even get into some poison. And now you don't know. Your dog just doesn't come home. Um, now, in the Northeast, maybe we coddle dogs a little too much. But personally, I think that's how dogs love it. They love to be treated that way. They love to have that uh, com- camaraderie and that family, um, that energy. 
where they're able to connect with us. They're able to feel safe and protected. But if you're in, you know, out in this weather uh, right now, it's pretty bad out here. And if the weather is bad and you're caught at work and you didn't think that the weatherman was right, now your dog is caught out in the middle of a bad thunderstorm. So be safe, be smart. Don't keep your dog outside if you're not going to be able to get back to him in a reasonable amount of time. All right, well, I've beaten you up enough for so far. Uh, what, else, what the other things I want to really discuss with the weather? Again, even if this weather uh, that we're having now, we're in the 90s, and mo- much of the country is in pretty uh, hot state right now. So if we're now, let's say, at 85, and you keep your dog in the car, and I know I say it all the time, and every week I hear about somebody who left a dog in a car. Uh, as a matter of fact, last night, and it was still pretty warm, uh, there was somebody in a parking lot who had the, the windows. The car was not running. The windows were cracked, oh, maybe an inch. And they had a dog in there barking his head off. So he's already agitated. He's upset. So he's going to overheat much quicker. And I don't know where the person was, but I waited and I kind of watched. And, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, uh, the car was gone and obviously the dog. But in that 15 minutes, not only could somebody steal your dog, but somebody could also potentially, um, you know, your dog could be, uh, you know, could be overheated. And listen, you know, you love your dog. You spend time and money and love your heart on this dog. Why would you want this dog to potentially uh, be stolen and uh, God knows what happens to these dogs? So also, that brings me to my next point. Very good idea to have some sort of a collar on your dog. Never leave your dog unattended in a crate or near anything that has a lot of uh, edges or tree limbs uh, that might catch on something. I have seen a number of dogs um, who literally hanged, uh, and yes, it's not hung, it's hanged, hanged themselves. You, you hang a, uh, you, we have hung a picture, but you, you have hanged people for treason. So dogs have hanged themselves because they have um, either a, a unbreakable collar um, or the collar is very, very thick. And for whatever reason, they get caught on something. I've seen dogs jump up on a ca- counter, like in a kitchen, and you have those knobs. Well, some, hopefully the knob breaks, but if you have a small to moderate-sized dog and the dog jumps up to get something off the countertop, all of a sudden you have a dog who is you know, potentially going to hang himself because if he jumps up and as he comes back down, he may catch himself. And if he catches that collar and he's got no way to get off there, you may come back to a, a hopefully not lifeless dog, but that's, you know, things have happened. So be very wary whenever you are going to put your dog somewhere, um, even in the house. It's generally a good idea, unless you have like an electric fence or something, uh, it's generally a good idea to make sure that the dog doesn't have anything that he can catch on whatever it is and hang himself. Uh, Along with that is uh, a thinner collar. They have more of a likelihood of doing that and hanging themselves than a collar that has a little width to it. So um, I always like to have a breakable collar. So my dogs have beautiful custom-made leather collars. Uh, There's about a one-inch piece that's kind of like a martingale, but they're leather, and if they were stressed, if I had an 80 or 90-pound or 100-pound dog or 110-pound dog that got caught, the leather would break. And that's what you want, like halters. Those of you who have horses, we always put a breakaway halter on a horse. It's better for the horse to be, uh, you know, running around without a halter than to be hung up on a fence and thrashing around and dead. Uh, We will be right back with some more cool tips. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo. 
to find environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be Healthy Goo, healthy. As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dogs to Service Dogs with Janice Wolf. I we're talking about things that are a good idea to keep your dog healthy and happy and safe. Um, one of the other things is that I think people don't do often enough. And I'm not a big fan. I, I do not crate my dogs. I don't really need them to be crated. My dogs are all super, super well-behaved. Um, unless I have a very young puppy, um, there's no reason. I don't care if they're, they're, they're not destructive, but I don't care. I'd rather uh, buy a new little uh, bathroom rug um, than have my dog get caught in a crate when it's too young. But crating is not a bad idea. Let me tell you something. I've met a lot of people through my many, many years as a canine behaviorist and my many years of uh, Merlin's kids and training service dogs. One of the things that many people do is they don't prepare their dog ahead of time if there should be an emergency. Now, I'm not telling anyone and I'm not uh, telling you right now, oh, you got to crate your dog. But... It's a very good idea for your dog to know what a crate is. God forbid this dog ever gets hurt or hit by a car or gets sick or any time it has to be kept overnight in a vet's office or in a boarding kennel. You never know. Who knows? Who knew about Hurricane Sandy, right? But my dogs, well, most of my dogs are grand champion show dogs, so they're very familiar with what a crate is. It doesn't mean they have to sleep in there and they have to live in there and they can't ever come out. We don't want that. I'm not advocating that at all. But I am a big proponent of preparing your dog for the time that he might have to go into a crate. And I've had people say, oh, I think it's terrible. You're putting an animal in a cage. Well, if your veterinarian has to do a surgery and keep your dog quiet, let's say he's got an ACL like so many little dogs have, got a, a torn uh, meniscus, he's got uh, extra cartilage, he needs a surgery on his eye, he has to have a cyst removed, he needs to be neutered or spayed, um, or your female might have a, a cyst or something that she needs to have removed. There's a very good likelihood that sometime during your dog's life, your dog will need to be in a crate. Not that you have to teach the dog and make the dog sleep in there for 20 hours a day. We're not advocating that. But just imagine how panicked you would be if suddenly you woke up and you were closed into your bathroom. Assume your bathroom isn't like mine where it's, you know, got spas and saunas and things in it. Just assume a regular little bathroom. Let's say an airplane bathroom. Now, if you've never been in a tiny little bathroom like that before, and now suddenly you have to go on a trip to Australia for 20 to 22 hours or thereabouts, if you have to then go into that bathroom and you've never been there or you wake up and you're in the bathroom in this little tiny thing, you're going to freak out. You're going to panic. You're going to get scared because you've never seen it before. Why would you want to set your dog up to fail? Especially rescue and shelter dogs, most of them have been in crates. But they oftentimes have the opposite problem where they've been locked into a crate for punishment or because the owners just didn't take care of them right. They were, the dog was too animated. Um, my favorite story was this uh, yellow lab female. She was a lovely dog. The family lived in New Jersey. 
uh, may be listening now, and they've, they've been converted, so don't worry, they don't do it anymore. They would lock this beautiful dog up because she was so out of control when she came out of the crate that they would just let her go out in the yard very quickly and put her right back in the crate. That is not okay either because the dog is not growing up the right way. You cannot put a dog in a crate constantly, but your dog should know what a crate is, especially if it's a dog who could potentially need to travel, um, like people with their little, we call them the little foofy dogs, but I actually have a little foofy dog as well. Um, But the little tiny dogs get used to it because we do that and we put them in our purses. And we carry them around like they're little, like a little pocketbook. So those dogs aren't usually the problem. But the problem is when you get a dog, especially from puppy, and it may never have been in a crate, and now the dog is two or three or four years of age, and now he's either hurt or he's sick, he's definitely not in your living room uh, by the fireplace anymore. And so suddenly he's terrified because he's in an airplane bathroom. And he's like, oh, my God, I don't know anybody. I don't know what's going on. Oh, man. And you can imagine how panic-stricken this poor animal would be. So think about having your dog at least periodically going in the crate, maybe eating his dinner, give him a a bone or a rawhide in there, um, tell him what, you know, read him bedtime stories, do whatever you want. But get him used to that periodically where he at least goes into the crate And then a lot of times dogs really enjoy being in the crate. So if the dogs are able to, you know, then go into the crate whenever they choose to go into the crate, um, a lot of people will say, hey, my dog loves this crate. We put a nice pad in there. Obviously don't do that for an anxious dog because he will rip up the pad if it's a very young puppy, of course. But for the most part, if you have a dog who, um, you know, who has any kind of issues like that, um, or is nervous in the crate, get him used to it. It's not a punishment. It's like when we were little kids or teenagers and we did something wrong, go to your room. Although I always used to say to all my clients, I still do, I find the teenager there and I say, do your parents ever tell you to go to your room as a punishment? And they say, yeah. And I say, well, that's not right. Your parents shouldn't do that. That's not right of them to do. And the kids are like, oh, cool, I like this lady. This Janice lady's cool. And then I say, you know what they should really do? And you know what they should really say? They should say, go to the room I pay for you to live in. And so the government says when you turn 18, you no longer, I no longer have to pay for you to live there. Go there. And they go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's not your room. But you have to be able to think that for a dog, when it's not overused, the crate becomes their room. They like to go in there. And it's also a great idea, especially if you live in a very open floor plan with a lot of windows. It's very nice for a dog if you can cover it either with cardboard or a uh, a little board, something not like a blanket because they can pull that in and choke on it while you're gone. But consider covering it or putting uh, the crate in a in a quiet place so that when the dog wants to go there, like in the corner, in a, in a corner of a, a room, and put it in the corner so that two automatically two sides are blocked off. This way, your dog will enjoy that time, and he'll feel like, oh, okay, I get to go in here, and I get to kind of escape and enjoy myself and just veg out in my room. I like my digs. So that's a very important aspect, again, to make sure that your dog, especially a shelter or rescue dog, because we tend to think, oh, we don't want to put him in a crate. Oh, that's so terrible. I don't want to ever put him in a crate again. I know you don't want to, but if the dog ever gets hurt or if he has to be boarded in a kennel, which I will never board my dogs in a kennel. That's why I have my facilities all over the country so that my dogs can stay in a house with people that I trust. But the goal is, again, to make sure that your dog is prepared so that he doesn't get afraid, especially if he's injured or sick or doesn't feel well or he's separated from you and he's afraid, if the dog then has to get used to that as well, it's not fair to your dog. So think about what I'm telling you. It makes a lot of sense. If you think like a dog, you will be able to communicate so much better with your baby. So you stay tuned, and I'm going to be communicating better with you guys in a moment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Purr Spray Pet, all-natural, non-toxic spray for all of your pet problems. Proven safe to use for their skin, eyes, and ears. Helps calm and heal wounds, hot spots, insect bites, and lots more. Will not sting and very safe to use even for your feathered friends. To find out how you can keep your pets happy and healthy, go to purspraypet.com. That's P-U-R spraypet.com. Purspraypet.com. Or call us now at 386-310-3924. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf and the entire Wolf Pack of Wyatt, Wispa, Fallon, Brandy, Romeo, Savannah, Lexi, Troopy, and a whole ton of puppies, including the Booze Man. We are just having a great time. It's been raining here, and my, I just woke my dogs up during the break. So I could give them a big kiss, and they're kind of looking at me with the lightning and thunder all around, like, Ma, why don't you just let us sleep? Which brings me to something we're going to discuss in a moment, is fear of thunderstorms, especially with, with dogs who were from rescues and shelters, especially from Deep South or Midwest, where they have some whopper storms. So one of the other things I wanted to discuss today was not only what we just discussed about the... Uh, using a crate at some point so that the dog becomes used to that so he doesn't panic uh, if and when he ever, God forbid, needs to go to a veterinarian or gets, let's say he's a dog at large, he runs off, and now, you know, you need, unfortunately, animal control picks him up. You want to make sure your dog is comfortable with as many situations and people as possible so that your dog will be set up for success, not for failure. Trademark that baby because people set their dogs up for failure all the time. And then you're surprised when the dog fails. Hello, news bulletin. You set somebody up to succeed, they're going to succeed. If you set somebody up for failure, they're going to fail. So let's set our dogs up for success. Here's another great tip you need to follow. A muzzle. Now, if you could see, my dogs literally are the best dogs in the world. And I had Wispa at the dermatologist today because she had a little ear thing on her, uh, like a a little, uh, maybe like a little ward or something on the tip of her ear. And I took her into the vet, and the vet had actually had Ridgebacks when she was younger, so she was all interested, and wow, how beautiful, what a gorgeous dog, and yeah, she's a grand champion, and it's like, she looks a lot different than mine did, but mine was a rescue. That bothers me, because a lot of times the rescue dogs are not from a good breeder, they're dogs... They're dogs that come from people who are backyard breeders or had an oop or didn't know what the heck they did and they didn't know what they didn't know, and they create dogs that are maybe weak in temperament, weak in, in structure, weak in, in health. And, you know, to me that's a big travesty because I want every dog to live for as long as possible. So one of the things along with that to make sure that your dog has a good life is actually teaching your dog what a muzzle is. It's not a bad thing. Now, I'm, again, not suggesting that you take a muzzle and leave your dog unattended for 24 hours straight. Not at all. But if you think about it, God forbid your dog is ever injured, your dog runs off, and they want to do a procedure on your dog, and let's say you're not there or you are there and the dog is getting very upset because they're working on his eye or they're working, uh, you know, on something that makes him very, very fearful. Well, if the dog has never had a muzzle on, now you're having a big, strong vet tech or two or three wrestling with your dog, and they're wrestling with your dog, and now your dog is going to miraculously become afraid of veterinarians. Really? So get your dog used to a muzzle. Now, this is what you do. And again, never unattended. Never unattended. Okay? So what you're going to do is get a muzzle 
And so your dog is a good dog. It doesn't matter what size it is. But something that kind of fits a little. And what you want to do is have one where the dog can actually open his mouth a little bit. He can't obviously, you know, open his whole mouth and unhinge it like a cobra can. But you should have a muzzle that is uh, large enough at the end that he can just open it so he could stick his tongue out. He could drink if he had to, um, but certainly that it's the right size. It's not jamming his mouth closed because we do want the dog to be able to breathe through his mouth. So what you do is just take the muzzle and kind of, we call it like steady him. You're going to just kind of put the, the muzzle on the dog, let him smell it. Don't put it on his head yet. And just rub it up and down his back. You can put the smell of cookie in it. And then you can even let a cookie on top of the muzzle if you want. And let him eat the cookie from the top of the muzzle. And then eventually you rub it on his head. You kind of slide it over his nose, slide it right off. Slide it back on, slide it back off, give him a cookie. That might be your whole lesson if it's a dog who's a little bit anxious. If it's a good dog and you can just take it and put it on him for a moment, then take it right off. Don't latch it. Don't put it on so that you can't take it off. But get him used to the fact that this thing is coming toward him in a way, toward in a way, the same way you would do it to put a jacket or a coat or a service vest on the dog. Get him used to it slowly. Don't think you're going to just put it on and leave it on him for two hours because he's going to panic. And you want to do it just just long enough where he can figure it out, but not so long that he starts putting his paws up and with his dew claws starts ripping at the thing and rips his nose open. I've seen that too. So if you have a dog who's a little more difficult with that or who's difficult in general, you can always call us at unitedk9professionals.com at 855 855- 4K9 Pros, which is 855-459-7767. And we'll explain it to you in person or uh, you know, over the phone to help you out. So, again, with the muzzle, you want to get a muzzle that fits the dog appropriately. Put it on, put it off, put it on, put it off. You can give him a cookie. Put it on and kind of pretend you're latching it behind his ears because that's a trigger for some dogs. Take it off. Put it on, pretend you're, you're closing it and snapping it, but don't, and then do it again and again and again and again, and happy, happy, joy, joy. You don't want to talk a lot, make it matter of fact, but you don't want to act like, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm putting this muzzle on you. I'm the worst mother in the world. No, you're not. You're getting your dog used to what could happen. God willing, it never will. But you have to have a disaster preparedness plan And with Hurricane Sandy, if you had a dog who's, let's say, injured or who's stranded and who hasn't had the the family around and now a rescuer tries to put a muzzle on so he can rescue your dog, well, all of a sudden now you've got a big problem because you aren't rescuing that dog. You're trying not to get bitten. And if you're a rescuer and there are four dogs out there and one's trying to kill you, two run away and the other one runs right up to you and lets you do anything, you're probably going to grab that easy one first because he's going to allow you to come back. The fourth one, the one that's being aggressive, is going to be the last one you go in for. I want my dogs to be the first one everybody goes for, not the last one. My dogs will come to people, and I've heard people say, oh, that's not good. They go to strangers. Well, would you rather have your dog running around in a forest or, or in a community for years because he, he doesn't trust anyone, even the owner then can't get him? Don't try to make your dog fearful. Don't try to make him afraid of people because, yes, there are some really bad people out there, but most dogs are pretty good. Once they're through their puppyhood, they're pretty good at knowing who's good and who's not. Now, some of you actually may be saying right now, yeah, dogs always come up to me. Dogs love me. Well, that's what I say. Dogs love me. Maybe not every human does, but I don't care because dogs love me. Every dog loves me, and that's what matters. Little kids If little kids and and animals love you, you're a good person. If you're one of those people who has that ability, that natural gift like I do and like so many of our people, our team members at United Canine Professionals have, you might want to actually start a career helping dogs and teaching and educating and fixing dogs' behavioral issues so you don't have to have these poor dogs being euthanized $4 million a year. If you're interested, contact us at 
unitedk9professionals.com. I'm going to talk more about what to do with your dog in a moment, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H.com. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dogs to Service Dog with Janice Walsh. And the amazing Pam and uh, our good friends DJ and Becca and uh, Janae and Karen and Kathy and Jill and so many of our people, including Luis Medina in the wonderful country of Mexico. We are just loving it. We have the most amazing team. We're going to start having some of our people, some of our team members coming on uh, periodically to tell you a little bit about what they do and about the amazing things that they are able to, uh, to transform in dogs with behavioral issues. Well, I wanted to talk about that a little bit as well. When we look at a dog and we, we think, gee, you know, these dogs seem to be, you know, really well-behaved. Why is it that some dogs are well-behaved naturally and some dogs are not? Have you ever thought about that? Well, usually it's like, Good people, nice families, tend to have nice kids. And families who engage in a lot of negative activities tend to have kids that are maybe not so good. Well, partly genetics, partly environmental. Uh, but there's, there was a great study, a twin study that was out where they studied about 14.5 million pairs of twins. And it's so cool because some of them were split up at birth. Some of them were twins um, who didn't know each other. They didn't even know they had a twin. And some were siblings who grew up together. And there's definitely that factor of environment. So some of you, even though you're the nicest, calmest person in the world, some of you may wind up with a dog who has some genetic issues, like humans can have, right? So you have to think about it. Genetics doesn't mean that there's something wrong But there can be like a cancer, right? Cancer is a mutation. Some people have a higher likelihood in their family of cancer. Some people have more of a propensity towards having heart issues or lung issues or digestive issues or autoimmune issues. So there's definitely that component that you can't change genetics. Now, genetics, though, let's say we have a dog who's got some genetic propensity towards being aggressive that because the mother was aggressive and the father was aggressive or two of the siblings are aggressive. So it's genuinely like the dog has maybe some defective DNA there that maybe his uh, gene pool isn't very deep. So what we want to do, though, is still realize that even if a dog does have an issue like that, it does not mean that that dog is not fixable. doesn't mean we can't change the behavior. It just might take a little longer. Or it might just take a really, really great behaviorist, somebody who has learned, and not just one of these people who goes out there and says, I'm a behaviorist. Look at me. I bought a storefront, and, you know, I've got business cards that say I'm a behaviorist or a trainer. You know, that is such a big problem. I am a behaviorist for the wonderful 11th Hour Rescue, which is truly my favorite, I think, the best rescue in the country. And I've probably been at at least two or 300 rescues, worked with rescue groups all over the country and in other countries as well. What I love about them is they don't categorize a dog by the breed. 
they think about the dog depending on what his attributes are, positive and negative. And they try to really match the dogs up with families who are going to be appropriate. But, you know, the problem is when you get a puppy, everyone says, oh, well, they ruined the puppy. Some puppies, though, might have faulty genetics or less than perfect temperament because of their heredity. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to throw away every dog with a behavioral issue, or I wouldn't have any business, nor would I have fixed 25 or 26 or 27,000 dogs with behavioral issues. But thinking about it, think like a dog for a moment. If you're a dog and you're going through a fear phase because you're anywhere between 4 and 14 months of age, which is a whole lot of months, if you're going through that fear phase, that's fear impact flight instinct. We've gone through that in previous shows. If you're going through that and you don't have somebody there who knows how to correct it, then even though you have a genetic issue that maybe I could have corrected or I certainly could have corrected or one of our United Canine Professionals behaviorists, we could have corrected. But if you try to hit it as a training issue, and let's say the dog is fearful of cars, so what you do is you throw a cookie into the car. Now, what kind of state of mind is the dog in at that moment when you're throwing it a cookie? Well, he's still afraid. He's just saying, okay, I'm a lab or I'm a golden. I love food. And if a dog is food-driven, that's great because that means that you do have a little bit extra. Maybe you can get another 5% out of them. But as a behaviorist, I do not want to give a dog a cookie when it is anything other than calm, confident, just in control, you know, relaxed. That's when I want my dog to have treats and cookies. I don't want to reward my dog for sitting when he's ready to rip somebody's hand off. So that's what happens. You get these people who are dog trainers or behaviorists, which now everybody, uh, if you don't use the dog whisperer, now you use the dog behaviorist because you can charge more. Behaviorists don't use cookies. Behaviorists don't use shock collars. Behaviorists don't use choker chains. Behaviorists don't use clickers. A behaviorist changes what is in the dog's mind by changing the humans and animals around him. So, for instance, if you have a puppy who is very fearful and he's going through a fear phase, you don't want to do something that's going to basically reinforce that exact behavior that you didn't want. But you do it. Oh, my gosh, people do it all the time. I don't get it. So let's say somebody who, for instance, he's a, a guy, he's a businessman, he gets sick of the corporate world, and he's 50 years old. And now he goes out and he reads a couple books and he says, yeah, I'm a dog trainer. He has no certification. Um, and that's one of the problems is even the uh, quote-unquote colleges um, and programs, they certify their own, as do we. But the difference is, we beat you up for a year to become a behaviorist, and it's an ever-lifelong learning. It is not one of those things where you take an online open book test with uh, reading five or six or seven books, and then you take an online open book, no time limit test, and you get to ask people for help, and you take that and go, I passed. I is a dog trainer. Now, I'm not knocking good dog trainers. There definitely are, are a bunch of them. But most dog trainers are dog trainers. They know how to take operant conditioning, take a cookie, make a dog do a particular body position, and reward it with a cookie. Well, that's not going to hurt anybody. But if you are kind of taking on more than you should be and you're working with, like, this one person I know of who took a dog and, like, literally threw it into the crate he made this poor dog have such severe separation anxiety that the dog, as an adult, a young adult, became severely aggressive with the owners. Actually, I've seen that happen many times. Well, what happens is, unfortunately, when you have people who don't know what they don't know, and, and you know these people because you say to them, well, how many dogs have you fixed? Oh, I have so, I fixed so many dogs. Oh, really? How many? Oh, I have too many to count. Try counting. Have you fixed five? Have you fixed 50? Have you fixed 500? Have you fixed 5,000? 
Have you fixed 50,000? Give me a general ballpark. But the problem, again, is you don't know what you don't know. And we're going to talk a little bit about more on how to train and how to use and how to choose a good trainer or behaviorist in a moment. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. NuVet Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you are referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com, order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we're talking about some tough stuff today, and it all is things that, you know, you really got to think about. And like I know the future Dr. Jody Joseph will be doing someday, evaluating the people you are going to be working with is probably even more important than evaluating the dog that you're going to be adopting or purchasing. Don't do things that don't feel right. I cannot tell you how many thousands and thousands of times I've been at a client's house and they've had other people come in before me, um, a trainer, a quote-unquote behaviorist, even a veterinary behaviorist, and their dog has been on Prozac and he's had a shock collar and they've thrown cookies at him and they've had some crazy people from the outback coming in and throwing things at them and squirting them in the face. Or this crazy woman I just heard about who uses Listerine in a spray bottle and shoots the dog in the face. You ever get shot in the eye with Listerine? That hurts. That's terrible. But it's the wrong energy. Penny cans, squirt bottles, throwing things, yelling, yanking on a choker chain or a prong collar. It's the wrong energy. Why would you do that to your dog? If you wouldn't let them do that, to you or to your child, and I didn't say your husband, mind you, ladies, because I might let somebody come in with a choker chain or a prong collar or squirt bottle for a husband, but definitely not for one of my dogs. So if it doesn't feel right to you, don't let somebody do it. And for God's sake, don't send your dog for a board and train unless they have 24-hour video cameras and you're sure they don't use shock collars and prong collars. We have seen so many dogs come back that are just destroyed. In two weeks, you can destroy the best dog in the world because not only is the dog losing trust and connection with you, the dog is also afraid. It's kind of like if you were a kid and you had somebody who was your, your mom and said, oh, you're going home with Mrs. Smith today. And you went home, and Mrs. Smith scared the living daylights out of you, drove terribly, hit you, uh, made you do all kinds of hard labor. And then your mom says, hey, how is everything? Mrs. Smith is so nice. You had a good time, right, Johnny? You'd be like, uh, um, yeah. So if you don't trust your mom that Mrs. Smith was, you know, you thought, hey, mom said Mrs. Smith is nice. She must be. But think about it and think like a dog for a moment. If your dog trusts you to give him to somebody else, then you make sure you check it out. And not only, oh, my friend has a lab, and this lab came back great from the shock collar trainer. He was the best trainer in the world. Well, guess what? 
if you've got a Rhodesian Ridgeback, you've got a completely different dog. If you've got a very soft dog, a hound, especially the sight hound, an Afghan or a hound mix, yes, that you might think they're pig-headed. That's just because they're smarter than you are. You want to make sure that the dog is a similar type of dog. You want to go in and see that person working with it. You want to speak with many clients. You want to, not one person or two people. I've got a, uh, I'm on a website besides having all of our, my own websites, obviously, because I'm pretty public. Uh, there's a website that has reviews. I've got, I don't know, 250 times that I've, uh, I've helped people just through that website. And out of that website, I've got maybe 50, 60, 70, I don't even know how many, all five-star reviews. Why is that important? Because you can fake one or two or three or four or five reviews, and you'll see that on the Internet. Oh, look, he's got perfect five-star. He's got two reviews. Yeah, his mother and his sister. That's who's given him a review. Make sure you look at it and that it doesn't all sound like the same person wrote the review. Make sure you look at it. If, if I were writing a review about somebody training my dog or behaviorist, I would say, you know, oh, I have a, a pack of, you know, 42,000 Rhodesian Ridgebacks. One of them was very fearful. He'd been adopted as a puppy. He was very scared. And, and you know, A, B, you know, Q came in and, and just it was amazing. My dog loved him immediately. And it was just like he knew them forever. He was so gentle with them. Every time he comes back, you know, my dog just can't wait to see him. You know, that's what you want to see detail. When you just see, oh, yeah, great job, really good guy, showed up on time, that is not a review. So when you have someone who's got uh, a great deal of experience, it's a little easier, obviously. Um, and, and the other thing is finding a company who has people who are all good, like United Canine Professionals. We literally, everyone was trained and certified by me and an amazing team of people who are the best, nicest, most wonderful people, animal-loving people in the world. So it's a great thing because if you have, let's say you're in, living in Texas and uh, you have our, one of our many people in Texas who are helping you, and then you move to New Jersey, we have a lifetime guarantee that comes with the dog. So I would work with you or, or any of our, I think we have 11 people in Jersey, um, who we would work with you. And it's all free. After that initial visit, everything's free. So, you know, it's a great thing, and it's a great opportunity for you to get help for your dog. Now, you can also join our team and be, well, good luck joining our team. I mean, you can do it. It's tough. We get about 200 people a quarter, and we take about 12. Um, sometimes we take a little more than that, but generally we take about 12 people per quarter, per module, and uh and then, but you turn into this amazing, knowledgeable, you know about temperament, you know about nutrition, you know about energy, about different aspects of behavior. You know, if you read a book and you go, oh, wow, look, dogs don't like this. But if you get liver, you can make your dog do heart surgery, open heart surgery or brain surgery. Dog will do anything for a piece of food. Well, maybe not. If you have, let's say, an unaltered male and there's a girl in heat around, Good luck on giving him that piece of liver. He doesn't want the piece of liver. He wants a piece of the girl. So I've grown up around dogs who were not food motivated, and that's why I don't focus on food. And remembering we don't want to reinforce something in a dog or in a puppy that could be negative with food because the dog isn't thinking, oh, I want the food. The dog is thinking, I'm really scared. Okay, mommy's saying I'm good because I get a piece of treat and I love those cookies so I guess being in a thunderstorm and shivering and shaking and being terrified is a good thing. It's like petting your dog because you're rewarding him without realizing it for a behavior. So just remember trainers ask questions. You guys ask questions. If you need a trainer there are some really good trainers out there but if you have a dog with a behavioral issue, a dog that's jumping up a dog that's running away, a dog with separation anxiety, with any kind of aggression, that's just out of control, chewing things, peeing all over your house, pooping all over your house, won't eat, you have to hand feed him. He's got all these other issues. Those are behavioral issues. And you can give your dog as many cookies as you want, but that's just obedience through obesity. Again, if you have a dog with behavioral issue, you have to treat it behaviorally. 
If you have a toothache, do you go to a podiatrist? No, you go to a dentist. If you have a problem with your heart, do you go to a brain surgeon? No, you go to a cardiologist. So if you have a problem with behavior, don't go to a trainer because even a good trainer is only going to be limited by his experience or her experience and ability to do whatever it is. People generally have a specialty. Like, I am only a behaviorist. I will only take behavioral issues. But with that, I love to do fearful and fear-aggressive dogs because it's just, it's just my thing. Now, I will fix anything, and I can, and I do fix anything. But the problem is when people start doing things that they don't know what they don't know. If you talk to a trainer and they say, oh, yeah, I've fixed, oh, at least 50 dogs. 50 dogs? I own 50 dogs. That's not a lot. You want people who have done 500 dogs, that have done 1,000 dogs, and that you got not just that they've fixed them, but that they've done a good job. Don't let your dog go somewhere and don't let anybody work with your dog. If you don't like what they're doing and it doesn't feel right, don't let them touch your dog. Well, if you need any help, you can actually call our 800 number um, for United Canine Professionals. And you can uh, get help from us for free. That's 855-459-7767. That's 855-4K9-PROS or www.unitedk9professionals.com. And we will help you and we will find you somebody who is a certified behaviorist that has been trained by me and our team and that will know what to do and will be the real deal. Just make sure if it doesn't feel good, you don't do it. Don't go against your inner person. Don't go against that feeling you have, that extra thing, the women's intuition. If it doesn't seem right, doesn't feel right, don't do it. Well, unfortunately, time is up again. I don't know how this happens, but thank you for joining me, and we'll see you next week. Have a great week. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. 